Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. The nominees for performance by an actress in a supporting role are Shorey Agdashlu in House of Sand and Fog, Patricia Clarkson in Pieces of April, Marcia Gay Harden in Mystic River, Holly Hunter in Thirteen. Renee Zellweger in Cold Mountain. And the Oscar goes to Renee Zellweger in Cold Mountain. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. I am Kyle Brownrigg, your host, and today we are joined by a uh, filmmaker, Rob Brown. Uh, He has a movie on Amazon Prime that came out in 2017 called Streamer. He's also a personal trainer. Uh, and he's also a friend, and he was the bartender to my boyfriend and I's first date. So he's got lots of credits. Uh, Rob Brown, hello. Hey, Kyle. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I have to ask, how is your whole life been in this pandemic? Oh, yeah. So I'm a, yeah, like as you said, I'm a personal trainer. I train folks privately at their condominium gyms at the downtown Toronto core. And around mid-March, we just got the news that all of them closed, right? So boom, like you're just, so I call it the summer of CERB. That was like, uh, for, for you folks in the States, that's our, is it subsidy check? Is that what they have down there? Is that what they call it? It's our food stamps. It's our food stamps. <laughs> boom. Yeah. So we got that. So then uh, then when the gyms reopened up uh, early August, it was like, okay, all the residents can come down, but no guests. Yeah. No trainers. Like, no, they can't even bring, like, a cousin in from out of town to even work out in the gym or use the pool. Mm-hmm. Right? So I still know all these folks. So I, yeah, transitioned to training them virtually. And again, just um, because the weather's been so nice, trying to trying to get those folks outside, still change lives, still trying to give them the nutrition tips they need. Mm-hmm. Other than work, um, it is... Uh, it is relaxing to sometimes be off work because then you're like that excuse, oh, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. It's like, well, if I had the time, what would I do? Like, what would my dream be? Like, what would I want to research or maybe try to learn? There's a lot of free courses online. Like, what can But you see, do? this is why you're a trainer, right? Because you have this sort of positive outlook. I'm a stand-up comedian. <laughs> I'm like, fuck that until the gyms are opening. I'm not fucking working out. Low bitch. I tried to do all of those home workouts. And I was really good at that for a while. You gave me a I home think, workout. Yeah, yeah. I did um, these, like, I, my favorite were, like, the 1990s. Like my mom probably did them workout tapes. Jane Fonda? Never Jane Fonda. It was this guy that I Ricky think Sims. auditioned to be a Power Ranger, but it just didn't work out yeah. for him. And like, you know, he's wearing the like the spandex <laughs> shorts with like the spandex like Borat thing on Love, top. Yeah. Just it, insanity. So you wore the outfit too when you did it at home, right? It's like, the only way I can work okay, out. Exactly. Yes. All right. In a, in a lycra onesie. Mm. But um, anyway, uh, I, I actually was very good at first. And then I realized how much I fucking hate working out in a one-bedroom apartment. Mm. Um, and uh, till the gym's open, I'm... Yeah. And it's funny seeing those celebrities, like, on YouTube or their Instagram saying, like, guys, you're at home. You can still get your workout in. Like, no excuses. But then their garage gym, like Mark Wahlberg's, is just this full-out facility. I know. And you're like, dude, it's easy for you. I know. <laughs> it's such yeah. bullshit. Uh, I go to the Y. Mm. And uh, when I went there, there was only two or three people in there at a time. Um, is this when it was this is during COVID? This was like like two months ago. Okay. okay. And uh, I honestly the facility I, I feel like I don't work out to like look hot. I'm a comedian, nobody cares what I look like. Mm. It's a just you know, I'm all personality. I can win people over with my personality. <laughs> that that's my attraction in life. But I go because uh, I have a lot of anxiety. It like really helps me feel a lot better about myself, more positive outlook, right? Nice. Gotta have that. Um, and it always, it just makes me feel physically better. Frankly, I don't really understand why the gyms need to be closed, in my opinion. But uh, whatever we got to do to yeah, that's a whole different podcast. That's a, a whole, whole different, different podcast. <laughs> I completely yeah. agree with, with like that. like the percentage of numbers coming from like you know the restaurants or the yeah. schools or the gyms. And, yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, no, I'm being. Why they close things? Yeah. No, I'm. I'm. Look, I'm. I'm looking very forward to when we can start going back to the gym. Uh, yeah. So good luck. Yeah. Uh, well, so today we're going to be talking about the 2004 Oscar win for Renee Zellweger's mm-hmm. first Academy Award win for Cold Mountain. I have so many opinions about this year, and so many yeah. opinions about everything going on here. Um, but before we even get into that, so. Best Picture was Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Best Director is Peter Jackson. Uh, Best Actor was Sean Penn for Mystic River, which, by the way, that's Mystic River, this is my first time seeing this movie. I fucking love this movie. Uh, Best Actress went to Charlize Theron for Monster. This is one of my favorite performances of all time with the one with Charlize Theron. Best Supporting Actor went to Tim Robbins. Frankly, I'm kind of surprised he only has one Oscar. Mm -hmm. And um, he's married or was married to Susan Sarandon, and I did not know that. Mm. Um, Before we jump into any of these um, performances, one thing that we heavily have to remember about this particular win for Renee Zellweger is that this is another Harvey Weinstein win. This is Miramax. It was Miramax. This is all of his influence and everything. It wasn't everything. the only Miramax film I saw. And the thing that's crazy about this win for Renee Zellweger is she has so many knocking it out of the park performances prior to this yes. that frankly I feel like this win for her was kind of like, ah, just give it to her. Yeah. And we'll get into that whenever mm-hmm. we you know, get to her. Um, but the one thing that I do want to say, uh, just out the gate before we jump into it is just the fact that, um, I love that Peter Jackson won, uh, the best picture and director and all that for the third installment of a franchise. Yes. Cause it was one movie. It's crazy. Right? And, and that, I think it, I think it went 11 for 11. It, yeah, it did. Too. Yeah. Like, like everything, the costume, the music, the, I think all three Lord of the Rings won best visual effects. Right. But I think that they wouldn't like, and Peter Jackson was also nominated for fellowship of the ring mm-hmm. also for two towers, but mm-hmm. it's like, this is the third, it's the final. I know they shot them all together as well, but you need to give it to them for the final one instead a, of just the first two because it is all just one movie and I think that it wasn't really an Oscar for only the third it was an Oscar for all three yeah like it was I think so yeah no I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's very I think that's very very true I didn't really care that much for the two towers if I'm being honest with you mm-hmm. but um, I really love uh, Ian McKellen and like anything that he's kind of in yeah. I'll just watch although I have a really bad relationship with Lord of the Rings the first time I saw <laughs> it when I was a kid I just wasn't ready for it yet I hated it I, pr- I fell asleep in the movie theater with my sister it was like she was like babysitting me Mm -hmm. like I just uh, all my guy friends at the time were like into it and I was more into like Buffy you know just not really uh, it just wasn't really my film but then when I was like 20 years old I was like oh fuck it I'm just gonna like sit down and actually watch them they're great movies they're great they're really well done Mm -hmm. they're really fun I just um it's it's not my movie, but they're very well done. Yeah, and I remember, like, I think I believe it came out in two thousand one, the first one. You and I were about the same age. Like, I think you were about eleven. I was, I think, eleven as well. Mm-hmm. And Harry Potter had just started that year too, so it was like the Fellowship of the Ring, and they are both, I think, Oscar season releases, like November, December time. So mm-hmm. it was like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, fantasy, short people, hobbity, kind of like, <laughs> also like Hogwarts. Like, oh, okay. I guess I'll go see both of them. Boom. Right. A year later, what's the next installment that's based on a book that's kind of fantasy, kind of adventure right. Boom. Chamber of Secrets. The Here's uh, the two towers. And then it was the third one. Yeah. And then I think Harry Potter carried on to make like eight total or seven total. Or yeah. S- Seven part one, part two. Yeah, there but were I know eight, like yeah. those stopped, but then the Lord of the sorry, the Lord of the Rings stopped at three. But I remember it was like this child fantasy kind of thing. I remember seeing both of them, and again, yeah, with Fellowship of the Ring, because it is boring. I think as eleven year old, yeah, like it's it's it a lot of <laughs> filler, a lot of helicopter shots, and yeah, a lot of like language that I don't understand, just like elvic old kind of. I'm like, oh okay, but again, watching it later, you 20s, you're it, like, man. okay, this is this is great because there's a movie I kind of used to watch almost every. Christmas time-ish like December-y because it was cold outside it had that nostalgia like oh like leaving the theater after Lord of the Rings it's cold out so but now I can just keep watching and it's funny how when you and I were talking prior Mm -hmm. you were recently watching Lord of the Rings within the last couple days and, and so was I and the yeah. thing is, is just talking about appreciating movies more, I feel like now that I have a more of an appreciation for a film, but I'm also like not a dumbass like I was when mm. I was 20, when I watch movies that are intended for more of an adult audience, it's I feel like I'm re-watching it. Sure. Like, I mean, movies that like I, I watched at that time when it came out in the early 2000s or the 90s or whatever, and I just didn't like it. And then now I watch it as like a 30-something person, and I literally am like... 
oh, I love this movie. Because mm-hmm. it speaks to you in a different mm-hmm. way. So let's get into, then, um, our first <laughs> movie. Let's talk about Pieces of April Pieces with of April. Katie Holmes. And when I think of Katie Holmes, I always think of her in Dawson's Creek always being like, Pacey, Pacey. <laughs> and I fucking, I'm not a fan, but um, Tom Cruise and all that, whatever. Uh, so Patricia Clarkson for Pieces of April. This is Patricia Clarkson, only Academy Award nomination. Mm-hmm. I remember Pieces of April, this DVD being in the clearance bin at my <laughs> local blockbuster for years. So naturally, I was very hesitant to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love how this movie looks like it was filmed with the Windows XP webcam. Um, and first impressions was basically Katie Holmes versus Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like, what am I watching? It was also like 40, I felt 45 minutes long. <laughs> I, and when a, you look at the runtime, it was like an hour and I think 18 minutes with credits. Like, it was something really, really short. Like, I'm not sure what the qualifications are for a film to be nominated for certain things, but like, it felt. Sure. Now, again, I guess it was the official feature length, but I thought Katie Holmes was better than Patricia Clarkson. Like, I like she was great running around, and I feel like it was a role that maybe, like, you remember Parker Posey in the 90s, how she was just kind of in everything, all this independent stuff? I thought maybe... I love her. Like, I didn't look it up, but maybe she turned it down. And then Katie Holmes jumped in, because it seemed like such a movie that she would be in, this brunette, right? And it's just a film about... um, it's a strange family coming to Thanksgiving and you will do whatever it takes to make that experience perfect. Like mm-hmm. you have a boyfriend that they haven't met yet, so you want mm-hmm. him to go get a suit. You've got uh, Thanksgiving, like all planned, but then your oven breaks. So you're trying to knock on these neighbors' doors. Some speak English, some don't. Mm-hmm. And you got to like use your story and your <laughs> and, and, and somehow just like, make the day perfect. But uh, yeah, like Patricia Clarkson's performance, it was fine. She's, um, she's dying in the film. And she has the, some form of cancer, yeah. Yes, and the, breast cancer. I think you're it was. in a car, this claustrophobic car driving. I think it's from Pennsylvania to New York. Yeah, like to downtown if, New York. Yes, yeah. from Pennsylvania to New York, and you're just getting to know these characters in the car really well as Katie Holmes is running around scatterbug, trying to make uh, like trying to make the best day and solving problems. So you learn, a, yeah, like, like I said, you learn a little bit about the family. Uh, in the car, and uh, why Patricia Clarkson is dying, and there, and why Katie Holmes is estranged from them too. Well, she Patricia Clarkson in the movie is, I think, really rolling off of like career-wise this the the heat that Peter Hedges had because he had just been nominated for About a Boy. So that also About a Boy was before, right? It was yeah, before okay. this, and then this movie had come out, and frankly. Um, the structure of the movie is like, it's very well put together. I really find that the way that it's like when you're watching it, it's like the fact that it, it literally looks like it's, it's filmed with like a home video Mm -hmm. camera kind of ruins it a little bit. But then when you actually watch the way that it's been put together, you're actually Mm -hmm. like, you know what? Like, this is actually like a, like a, this is like a legit movie. And I think that's because of the writing and her, uh, Patricia Clarkson's character. I think the reason why she was probably singled out here is because she is a very complicated person because she's the mother, but then she's also like kind of a bad mom. Yeah. Like she's kind of a shitty judgmental mean person. So I feel like to maybe Academy voters that was like, wow, she's so three-dimensional. She's so interesting. Um, In my opinion, uh, to be nominated for an Academy Award for this movie, I think it's a bit of a stretch. I was was thinking very similar. And she did have the Golden Globe nom, too. And the Screen Actors Guild Award, yeah. And I do look over, like, oh, was she also Golden Globe, or was this just thrown in for the Oscars? Yeah. And again, like what you said with Peter Hedges with the writing, he wrote um, Gilbert Grape. Mm. This is his first director movie. I think this might have been his passion project. About a boy, like you said, he was nominated for that. This one, Dan in Real Life. So he has these movies that are about adolescence yeah. and togetherness and sort of like these relationships with characters. Like like What's Eating Gilbert Grape is a good movie. And then uh, he has this family. So maybe he just, oh, like I want to direct a movie. He just didn't get the budget he wanted. So maybe just filmed on whatever camera he could. <laughs> but you could definitely tell that the fingerprints from sort of uh, Gilbert Grape and um, About a Boy are there with just this, like these relationships with adolescence. Yeah. Well, the only thing that I would say to Patricia Clarkson's performance here that is, um, that I think would be Academy worthy, that I, I can understand why she was nominated, 
is because she seems to have absolutely no faith in her daughter and she seems to be kind of like a mean mom, but yet she kind of still remains a bit likable. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a very hard thing to do because it's one thing to play a character in a very sort of like, I'm mean, I'm the mean mom kind of character, you know? But then also, I don't. I didn't hate her leaving this this movie because I think that Katie Holmes's character was probably like kind of a dick, and yes. like we don't know why necessarily, but yeah. like she does kind of seem like a bit out of control. Although the one thing that I don't like about this plot is there's just no way that the two other kids in the family would be completely normal and totally fine and well behaved, where like the eldest is just like this hot mess, like hot topic looking character. Yes, it was a little. Um, a little weird for me. Also, can we just mention that Sean Hayes, a.k.a. Jack from Will and Grace, yeah. was in the fucking movie <laughs> yeah. as, like, a straight guy, and it was yeah. really uncomfortable. Bobby? Is that... Was, I or, do not yeah, know. Like he was in boys. 5C or yeah, 5D. Yeah, he was the... Yeah. And he showed up, and he was, like, pretending that, like, he was, like, sexually attracted to her, and mm-hmm. I was like, I could have done with that, and he without was, any of that. Yeah, he was kind of, like, but he was, like, over, like, I'll say, like, it's overly straight, just this stern, like, yeah. oh, yes, Stiff. Uh, how are we, yes, yeah, you, like, you may use my oven, like, a tie yeah. in the middle of the day kind of thing, not even at work, it was just, yeah. I, I love that, that you have to put on a straight guy voice, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> overly straight. <laughs> um, but then, you know, Patricia, um, Patricia Clarkson's character will do sort of things uh, to demonstrate that her character does appreciate life whenever they run over the squirrel and then she insists that they bury it. Yes. So it's like she has these things to her that are very humanizing and very likable even though she is kind of awful. One of my favorite things in the movie that she does because I saw a lot of myself in that moment was when the not Katie Holmes daughter, the other daughter um, that was like in Milk, she played the lesbian, uh, Mm. Uh, and I realize that sounds really like general, but there was, I think we're only like one lesbian in milk mm. and uh, um, she is singing opera and then she, the daughter goes, Oh, do you have any requests? And then P- Patricia Clarkson is like, yeah, that you stop. <laughs> and then she has to be like, sorry, I just, you know, and then I'm like, Oh my God, that's me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I do that all the time <laughs> where I'm just like, can you not do that? Yeah. And then everyone's like, Ugh. and then I'm like, sorry, I just, Okay, <laughs> just mm-hmm. at that moment, that cringy moment. I I saw a lot of myself in that. Um, so there are pieces of this performance, uh, pieces of pieces of Patricia, uh, that I think really resonated with me. Was this an Academy Award winning performance? I don't know. I I think I feel the same way there too, Kyle. Like, is it? An Academy Award performance? I don't think so. Like, this might be a sort of honorary, oh, she's done this, 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 this. Right. Here's a little movie. Oh, it's independent. Look at this shaky kind of camera. It's not not big studio. You know, like, let's put her name down. Right? Do you think that that. the the movie quality of the cinematography, do you think that that um, helped or hindered her Well, similar to how we're going to talk about 13 in the future, Uh like you and I, um, I think that it did help. Like, I think it also, can help. we just pause for one second and say how much of a fucking downer this fucking year <laughs> yeah, was? I was going to say that. So as you said earlier, when you were naming like uh, the best picture, how the thoughts you had about this year, mm-hmm. there are so many fun movies this year. Like Lord of the Rings won. You got Something's Gotta Give with Diane Keaton, mm-hmm. right? Johnny Depp is nominated for playing like the crazy pirate, right? Oh, that's You've right, got, yes. Like Finding Nemo is up for best screenplay, which is crazy. And Love then it's like, movie. well, here are the five movies that that Rob and Kyle's got to watch, and it's like, oh, boy, okay. Drama, 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 <laughs> drama. And um, one thing I was going to point out about this year as well, other than um, Mystic River, um, all these directors also had a say in the screenplay, mm. right? So they're writing their and directing kind of their own work. A lot of these were based right. on novels as well. Well, this so one especially, So you yeah. can see how the director might want them to say certain things, and all these are great performances, but I think Patricia Clarkson, maybe out of these, might be the weakest and that's not just because of screen time because mm-hmm. we've seen good people come in and steal the show from time to time mm-hmm. but it's yeah this movie was I'm not sure if Patricia Clarkson again deserves a nomination now and whenever I talk like that I think oh well who would I replace it with like my my favorite movie this year was Kill Bill and I don't oh, think yeah. those other actresses in the movie yeah. I don't know if I would replace it with maybe Lucy Liu or Vivica A. Fox but 
They were still, I think, better than Patricia Clarkson. I would give it to Lucy Liu, actually. She was great. Um, and Kill Bill, I mean, that is probably one of my favorite movies ever. And the fact that Uma Thurman wasn't nominated for yes. Best Lead, that's crazy. Correct. Um, okay, so then um, Patricia Clarkson, fantastic performance. Uh, was it Oscar-worthy? I don't know. Uh, let's talk about our next nominee. Let's talk about uh, Marsha Gay Harden for Mystic River. Okay. So... Um, the murder okay so this movie is about it takes place in boston and when uh sean penn's daughter is then murdered uh they're like oh my god who did it also um also uh tim robinson's character when he was a kid was kidnapped and molested uh and well raped by a priest and a guy posing as a cop, as a cop. Uh, for an indefinite amount of time. And then Tim Robinson, uh, Tim Robbins as a child escapes. And then obviously that haunts him for the rest of his life. So you have two different stories going on here and they think that it's Tim Robbins that killed yes. Sean Penn's daughter. And we are going into spoilers here. For, I think we said that at the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah there's what it's, it's, it's 16 years ago. Yeah, so so you gotta, you gotta have seen it by now. Three boys, Kevin Bacon, Tim Robbins, and Sean Penn. They're not playing their younger selves. Of course, uh, they are reconnected in the future because of this murder. Kevin Bacon is investigating he's a cop the now. murder. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's the cop. Tim Robbins is a suspect and uh, Sean Penn, it's his daughter that is killed. So these three friends are connected. Now, Tim Robbins returns home one night at 2 a.m. covered in blood and Marissa Gay Harden is his wife has to explain to her he lies and explains that he was stopping a mugging and Marissa Gay Harden is looking in the newspaper and uh, doesn't see anything about it but then is kind of looking at the news and seeing that there was a murder the night that he did come home at 2 a.m. covered in blood coincidence and and I was going to say with this performance in particular because this might be one of my favorite ones to actually talk about is Mm -hmm. there's a lot of not necessarily acting with her but reacting Mm -hmm. so Tim Robbins oh I didn't see anything in the paper isn't that the expression acting is reacting (laughs) isn't (laughs) that the expression so. so I think so like there's a lot of just shots where she doesn't say anything she'll just be setting the table and then kind of looking at her husband, kind of squint, like wondering, hmm, did my husband do it? This mm-hmm. man that I love, who I have kids with, did he do it? And it's so subtle and mm-hmm. good. And she, like, again, like, like she's won an Oscar before for Pollock, that Ed Harris yep. won. About the, the, 2001, yeah. Yeah, so she's been there. But I feel like, again, it is really hard to also steal the show when you're working with people like Sean Penn, mm-hmm. Tim Robbins, mm-hmm. even Laura Linney's great. Lawrence Fishburne is great in this. Okay, we're going to go back here oh, because yeah. I did, did not care for Laura. I thought okay. she was so miscast and that accent, really, that eh? Boston accent, it mm. was like watching a Connecticut woman asking if there's <laughs> cheese from Vermont in a grocery store trying to put on a Boston accent. Lovely. I could never buy Laura Linney really? as like a hard talking person mm-hmm. from Boston. Like absolutely yeah. not. And, when, and with supporting roles, like there are ones in the past that stand out, like Angelina Jolie, Girl Interrupted, steals the show as a supporting role. Or like yeah. Monique in Precious, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Steals the show and that's what's memorable. So it's hard for Harden to be so memorable when you're worth all, with all these high caliber actors, especially when Tim Robbins took home an Oscar, Sean Penn took home an Oscar. But I think more of the reacting and subtleness, I think she only has, what, eight lines of dialogue maybe in the whole movie, but the camera's still on her for a long time. I think she did great, right? But it is just a star, like this, this star-studded cast that I feel like it's overlooked, I would agree, like, it's very much sort of like a reacting, because you're right, she didn't really have a lot of lines. It's like her whole, um, her character's journey was um, uncertainty mm-hmm. and um, a lack of faith in her own husband, uh, a suspicion, uh, fear, and... Th- I've talked about this before in this podcast and stuff like that. And I think one of the hardest things that you can do is communicating something like without speaking. And I think that that's really what Marsha Gay Harden has really done here because, um, every time that, uh, Tim Robbins would like come home and then start vaguely talking about like the assaults that happened to him when he was a kid and stuff like that. And he's being really weird and sketchy and like very scary. Yeah. She is terrified. And like, you feel that fear. And he changes the story about what happens to his hand. I think several times. And she's like looking out the window, listening. Oh yeah. Like I helped the buddy moved. I banged it on a couch. And then next time, oh, uh, I was, uh, you know, uh, the, the paper slicer at work, you know, like I hit it and her, so in her face, it's 
like did and at, like, by the end of it he tells Sean Penn mm-hmm. I think my husband killed your daughter and then Sean Penn Which spoiler pushed. alert kills Tim Robbins because he forces him to admit to something that he didn't do Tim yes. Robbins' character that he didn't do and then um, it turns out that he didn't actually he kill Sean Penn's daughter it's right and um the one thing that I really sort of enjoy about uh, Marsha Gay Harden is that she never really comes in as this big sort of movie star. She never comes in like with these loud sort of performances. Like one of my favorite uh, performances that she had done was in Mona Lisa Smile with Julia Roberts, <laughs> and she's that like prim proper like home ec teacher. And um, that's kind of really where I'm used to seeing her. So having seen her in this kind of movie, it really demonstrates her range for me as a viewer. And um, I knew that she had won for uh, a couple years earlier for a supporting... um, So, obviously, she's a very good actor, but I just had never really seen it before. Frankly, I was very impressed with her um, in this movie, and um, I really... uh, Like, remember whenever he's going on about, like, how he's a vampire now because he died when he was a kid, and he's alive, but, like, that part of him, like, is is dead, Um, and how he never got over the kidnapping. It was, like... Like, her uncertainty and fear of what he was going to do, you could, like, feel it in her. Mm -hmm. And again, it's just, I think, I think acting is probably one of the, well, any art form is the most hard thing to do if you're doing it properly. But literally, this to me is is just, like, such good acting because I'm like, holy shit, how did you do that? Like, how can you, like, it's it's fucking crazy to me that, like, human beings can do such fake false things that aren't real that, like... I'm like, are you a psychopath? Like, mm-hmm. how can you do that? And for me, that was that was Marsha Gay Harden in this movie. It was it was very well reacted. Yes. acting. Uh, what did you think about the ending? Whenever Laura Linney is kind of giving her that like, yeah, that's yeah, right, so bitch. Look, Sean Penn just prior had had admitted to what he had done. Yeah, to Laura Linney, and she kind of hugs him. Like, I know my so husband's the a criminal. Yeah, because Sean Penn had been in jail before for a robbery, and even had killed the guy that ratted him out. And then sends the guy who he killed's wife $500 a month to make it look like the husband is still alive but just living somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And he hit put the body in Mystic River. So then later on in the movie, when Kevin Bacon, the cop, has an idea, he says, are you going to send Tim Robbins' wife $500 a month now? Kevin Bacon kind of saying, I know you did it. But when it comes to that look, because that was a – it wasn't just a glance. That was like a – a long look like Clint Eastwood held the camera on there for a long time like like bitch did you know that he also did it too like yeah, am right. I gonna come get you like did you know that your husband did this the whole time or right yeah it was uh quite well see look. this is this is tricky I always find with this podcast is I I for the longest time I was trying to do lead supporting lead supporting lead supporting and I would go back and forth each week but the thing is is that when you're talking about a supporting role especially with older movies they're very short little condensed performances and sometimes it can be hard to sort of really sort of discuss with this particular movie and with this particular performance I feel like there were a lot of ways to interpret a lot of scenes and a lot of because that that look between Laura Linney and her at the end it's Mm -hmm. sort of like is she looking at her and she's trying to be like yeah, like that's what you get. Or are you looking at her being like, "We got, we'll take care of you." It's like there's there's so many ways that you can interpret it that, is. and I like that kind of an ending. Um, well, but like, yeah, like we're gonna send you five hundred bucks now, maybe. Yeah. Or, <laughs> Cha-ching! Like, like, I'm not gonna take knows. it. My husband was fucked, so that's fine. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think for me, the uh, where. Um, I feel like her Oscar moment was in this movie was when she's on Sean Penn's porch, yes, and she's basically like. I have to tell you that I actually mm-hmm. think it was him mm-hmm. because he said that he killed someone and there's no, there's no, nothing about it in yep. the papers except for what I am seeing about your daughter. Yeah. That I think was the, that was her moment in mm-hmm. this movie. Cause she's, she's, she's that's what I mean. terrified. I, th- I think if the movie and she was, knows what's going to happen. Yes. And I knew that, I think that if the movie was just the subtle reactions, mm-hmm. I don't know if she would get a nomination, but she needed that kind of, break out like I'm gonna I gotta say something I gotta talk I gotta share like it wasn't just she was holding it in introverted Mm -hmm. the whole time it was I gotta tell Sean Penn about this thing because yeah he was a tough guy Sean Penn was a tough guy he hung out with ruffians he'd Mm -hmm. been to jail Mm -hmm. so I think Harden knew exactly what would happen to Tim Robbins if 
That's why she's so scared. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, any queens listening to this, uh, any of your, you have any kind of, because it, it does kind of come off as a bit of like, not like a gangster movie, but just sort of like an organized crime kind of movie. It sort of is, but honestly, it's such a good film. I loved every minute of this movie. It's really fucked up, but mm-hmm. great acting. I very much recommend watching this movie. And I would, I'll just point out that Lawrence Fishburne's name in the movie is Whitey Power. <laughs> <laughs> what? Whitey Power. <laughs> I don't know if that was in the book or not, or if the character is white or black in the book, but I just thought I just thought that was funny to point out. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about our next nominee, Sheree Agdashlu, in House of Sand and Fog. Speaking Whew. of downers, holy <laughs> shit! So first of all, this movie is literally about Jennifer Connelly as the inconvenienced white woman. This movie is so problematic. Um, it's a family that legally bought the house. Legally. And they are from Iran. You don't really know why he was like banned from Iran and can't go back. And if the if this family goes back to Iran, they will be killed. And um, basically, uh, Jennifer Connelly didn't pay her property tax. She was warned. She had to pay her bill. She didn't pay it. She had so many warnings. She gets evicted, and then she acts like she's the victim. It's my house. Yeah, this is a this is a conversation that is extremely relevant in 2020. This movie is very annoying to watch because um, basically Jennifer Connelly's character is in the wrong, and she then feels she privileged feels super yeah. privileged, and literally her boyfriend is a racist cop yep. who then ultimately based on his actions after holding the family hostage results in the son being killed by a cop it's so fucked up and um this movie is actually beautifully written because everything is basically a commentary on like cultural commentary and like i think this movie was probably even before its time do you know what i mean because that movie like today would be winning all the fucking oscars Um, I think that they would probably have to do a little bit of an edit for that cop or maybe for Jennifer Connelly's character. I think that this movie, if you are just in that mood where you're like in that Evanescence, My Immortal music video kind of mood, if you're in that mood where you're like, hey, I think I'm going to go and cut myself, put on this movie because this is one of the most depressing, upsetting. I had to watch, I had to pause this movie in 30 minute installments because it's so heavy and it's so depressing. And... Um, it was like a drinking game every time somebody tries to commit suicide take a drink like it was so heavy it's the same author as In the Bedroom and I know you talked about that film on the podcast before Mm -hmm. you know talking about grief and it's very similar with the sort of hostage-y situation kind of family dynamic-y sort of uh you know, like, do you remember when the when the racist cop has the gun to Ben Kingsley trying to go to the bank? It's similar to the dad in the in in the bedroom, yeah. Like Tom Wilkinson with the so it is the same author, right? You can see how he writes just this drama. But I I saw it. So Jennifer Conley again is the white girl that le- that the house she grew up in. She loses that house mm-hmm. and having an affair with this married cop and Ben Kingsley again legally buys it. But they're also very secretive in that. He works as a construction worker, doesn't tell his wife mm-hmm. that he does that. She doesn't tell her ex-husband, even though she wanted a kid, that uh, like she's out of her luck. They both get, like, Jennifer Connelly's living out of her car. Ben Kingsley, when he has to go to certain meetings, like the bank, he changes into a suit in a public bathroom. Jennifer Connelly changes into a public bathroom. So they are very, a 60-year-old, he's about 60, a man from Iran, and this 30-year-old white woman, they are kind of similar in their way with their lives in America. This house makes them meet each other. And Sheree is, like the actress here that we're talking about, is Ben Kingsley's wife. And the thing, if anybody is not familiar with Sheree Agdashlu, she is like the Iranian Eartha Kit. She has that sort of smoky voice. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Uh, she was in an episode of Will and Grace. She played Karen. Uh, she played oh, um, okay. Grace's assistant, and it was the episode with my favorite line on Will and Grace. This is the second Will and Grace reference I've made on this podcast. I swear I'll stop. Uh, it, the, my favorite line in that show it was the episode with Sheree. and Karen couldn't believe the things that Grace <laughs> would let Sheree get away with, and Karen says. I would just sit there cleaning my gun thinking, this is an office. <laughs> that is my favorite line from the show. And um, that is I think that Sheree Agdashlu is literally one of the most underrated actresses that we actually have working. She was in 24 for a minute. The first scene that she's in where she talks about how she doesn't want to be a gypsy in America, like you can 
feel her rage toward Ben's, Ben Kingsley. It's like she is this real, living, breathing person. She's not acting. It's like it's she's just the character. Yes. Um, she literally won every single award. Did she? Yeah. Uh, except for the Golden, the Golden Globe yes, and the BAFTA, that's, because that's that's where uh, Harvey Weinstein is coming in. Yeah, He's the one I that's knew, fighting against this. And Trey wasn't even nominated for the Golden Globe. That's right. I was going to say it's funny because the last podcast that we that you did who had all these feminist sort of roles like mm-hmm. the Jodie Fosters and the and the, uh, the and Thelma the, Louise, Thelma Louise yeah, and right. then this is just the wife the wife <laughs> the right. wife the mom and it's <laughs> and then but, the um, sassy so I would um, yeah so I would say with straight because I know of course like the neighborhood where I live in in Scarborough where I grew up and everything in, in the area of Toronto I grew up with a lot of first generation immigrants and there are some scenes in this movie again like Ben Kingsley was nominated he's He's great in everything. That's even just an understatement. I just wish, though, that they would switch to speaking Farsi maybe a little more. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, there's a scene in the movie where things get a little tense and heated after this racist cop leaves the house mm. uh, with, with a couple threats. And there's this bit of aggression and things get physical for a second. I don't think they would authentically be speaking in English. Like, no, you're not supposed to do that to me or something. I feel like that would just, like... Be in their real because he hits her, yeah. He yes. slaps like her. Right that would the be, face. I feel like, in their own language. And I, I know it's an American book, an American movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, but I just feel like the authenticity. I think if they said it in their actual language, like we'd still get the intensity. I don't know if they're like, oh, well, maybe uh, American audiences, if they have to tr- transition to subtitles really, really fast, and then, and, oh, oh, then they might, uh, oh, well, then they might not get it. But I think they really would, especially near the end when. Ben Kingsley's son is in his arms and kind of dying. He's just sort of speaking, again, in English, where I think if you grow up as an immigrant speaking a second language, the way you talk to your parents is different. Of course, like you speak some English to your parents, but it's usually like mostly the back home language. But what you also have to remember was that this was made in 2003 and racism, people, white people this summer only learned what racism was. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I think, again, like for the 2003 audience, I think I know why they did it. But I just because Sheree is from Iran originally. Mm -hmm. Ben Kingsley's from India or England. I think think he's British. He's it's Sir Ben Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley. Kingsley. But his his real name is like Grand Prix or something. His is or hers is? His. Like he has an Indian name, like that's his yeah, well, real he name. Played, uh, he played Gandhi. Gandhi, exactly. So, so I know he's I know. of Indian descent, but I, I know Sheree's from Iran. But other than just saying a poem near the end of the movie when she's in her bed saying, "I had a dream about birds," I think I I would have just liked just a bit more of the real language, especially for some of the intensity scenes. But other than that, Sheree, even when she speaks English, she's still a great actress. That's taking in ben, Jennifer Connelly when Jennifer Connelly tries to commit suicide in their own driveway because right. she hasn't had enough because the cop who she's having an affair, sorry, who is married, d- doesn't come home mm-hmm. when he says he would, right. like to the affair house. And then she goes, pulls up in Ben Kingsley's driveway with a gun and tries to shoot herself, but it's it's not loaded or it's jammed or something. And Ben Kingsley and Sheree <laughs> fail, right? take her <laughs> take her into this house, and that's when you really get to see Sheree's acting. Because again, I think I saw this movie a little bit of it a long, long time ago, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch it just to see Sheree's performance. And I was like, okay, she's just sort of, oh yes, honey, oh yes, well let's go to the this, let's this. And then when they take her in, it becomes this motherly, almost Nurturing. caring for another human yeah. being. Like, doesn't matter how much hell you're giving us wanting your house back. We are all humans here. It doesn't matter if we're from Iran, you're from America. We need to help you. Jennifer Connelly tries to overdose on some pills when she's in the bathroom. And Sheree, like, grabs her. And it's 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 very intense. It's very intense. Her Because you're right. That was part of her character was that she was nurturing. She was, mo- she was very motherly. And that's interesting that you do say that about language because I thought the exact same thing. But the thing that I was mostly focusing on was the fact that Sheree's character spoke English perfectly mm-hmm. and like Jennifer Connelly, whenever she comes to the house and she's explaining the situation and then Sheree is like, oh, like I can't go back to my country. You can't call me. Cause the reason why she was afraid of immigration was because the cop threatened them with immigration. Yeah. And then she's like, I just, I don't want to do that. And then fucking dumb bitch, Jennifer Connelly is like, Oh my God, you don't understand a word I'm saying. And yeah. it's like, Oh, <laughs> like yeah. I hate you so yeah, much exactly. in this movie, Jennifer Connelly and that fucking cop, and the bullying white cop. And because of their fucking white privilege, uh, Ben Kingsley and, uh, Sheree fucking, they kill themselves. Yes. This movie is such a fun Disney 
Disney movie. Um, <laughs> it's I not love on Disney. It. It's on Disney Plus for everyone that's listening. By God, the way. and at the end, whenever everybody, there's a literally a body count, and then Jennifer Connelly shows up to the house, and she's like, "Ugh, was that too much to ask? Thank you." Yeah. And then she just like t- takes a shovel and buries the body, and she's like, "Anyway." Well, she does. <laughs> again, like I think once Jennifer Connelly was saved by them and cared for, her dynamic switched of. Okay, these are good people because Ben Kingsley even offers the racist cop who's in there threatening them like, look, we'll give you a bunch of money. Just sign the house over to me. You and your lady can just take off with about Mm $40,000. And Jennifer Connelly was defending them saying, no, 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 these let's not do it like that, like to the cop. Like, let's do it the real way. Let's actually. But it just turned into like it turned into like white savior complex. Mm -hmm. Uh, This movie is very is very problematic in the lens of 2020. I have to say that Sheree's performance was absolutely exquisite. I think that it was, um, if again, if this type of role and this performance was in a movie like last year, she'd be winning all the fucking awards. Yeah. She won the New York uh, Film Credit Circle Award. She won the National Board of Review. She won literally everything. She's great. But the biggest challenge that she would have to winning this Oscar is Harvey Weinstein. That is, in my opinion, the reason why she she had uh, probably that that had hurt her chances of potentially winning this award. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a living, breathing person. You know, it wasn't just a character. It's no. like this performance probably resonates with a lot of yeah. people, mm-hmm. with a lot of non-white people. Yeah, and um, I thought it was such an important movie and such an important performance and she acted it beautifully even if she is just and I don't I don't mean this in a condescending way but like in her role as from her culture she's just a housewife mm-hmm. and not just a housewife but she is a housewife and it's like she has that role to fill but she is probably one of the most important characters in the movie yes and um it's a it's a very very heavy performance and it's a very heavy movie and frankly I think that that requires a lot of skill and fucking Sheree like delivered sure did um but let's okay. Do you have anything else to add? Because if not, let's talk about our next nominee. Well, yeah. All I was gonna say is like uh, like the casting of the white racist cop. I know he's good, but him being in the room with Ben Kingsley and Sheree talking, you know that he's just not at the acting caliber of those two. Right. Like those two, like just are are saying lines just around him that are just, and he's just <laughs> uh uh. Well, I'll be back with papers and Ben Kingsley just not even like his facial expression just. Oh, well, yeah. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Holly Hunter in 13. Holly Hunter is one of my favorite actresses. I love the movie um, uh, Broadcast News. I love... The Incredibles? uh, Well, of course. (laughs) uh, I loved her in The Piano. Uh, I did did that episode we were talking about, um, Anna Paquin. And it's kind of crazy to me how Holly Hunter's career kind of just... Not like yeah. fizzled out, but like just she was like winning all the she awards. Was, she was awesome. And I just remember even like, um, like well, I know you brought it up earlier, but like the DVD bargain bin at Walmart, like you'd see a movie and it would mm-hmm. be like a bunch of names and then like, and Holly Hunter at the end, you know, like, because yeah. like it would be like, oh, like that's a good actress. We're adding her in like an and Michael Caine or an and Morgan Freeman, like yeah. almost at that caliber mm-hmm. of, oh, she's in a lot of stuff and you know when she pops up she's going to be really good mm-hmm. at this year i think this is yeah again like 2003 this was interesting because i remember mean girls came out and everyone saw mean girls and everyone's like oh like this is such an honest movie about girls and like everyone's got to see it every girl has to see it because there's bullying and there's like they're rude and it's just so honest and then I remember 13 came out and it was like, no, 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 this is this the one is, everyone, right. every girl has to see. And when you rewatch Mean Girls, it's still great. I can still quote every line from it, of, of course. course. But it's, it's still a <laughs> Tina Fey comedy, right? But but 13 is the one that every girl probably should see. Probably like uh, similar to Larry Clark's Kids from 1995. Sure. I saw that one. But um, it's comparable now. I'm not sure um, if a few folks have seen it as well, but HBO's Euphoria was Zadea, mm. just high school, there's, a ta- ta- it tackles everything, it tackles addiction and violence, and there's a trans actress playing a trans character, and an overweight girl who's doing like, cam girl type porn for Bitcoin, and there's a bully with a closeted gay dad, like, like I'm not spoiling anything that's not in the, uh, like in the first episode or anything, but Euphoria folks, if you guys like 13, if you like just movies that are just honestly about teens, and not a cartoon, I would say HBO's Euphoria tackles all that, very honestly, and Zadea actually won the award for best actress in a mini in a mini series limited series at the uh, the Emmys. Great, uh, recently, but yeah. So I love Holly Hunter in this movie. I gotta say. 
for me that so basically anybody listening 13 is a movie about Hannah Montana becoming Courtney Love basically <laughs> what happens in this movie is Holly Hunter is nominated for um, I think a few scenes I don't think it was the entire movie because frankly this I, I know I've, I'm familiar with her work I know what she is capable of I would say that this for me was probably one of the most subtle Holly Hunter performances because she is sort of that you know, um, white trash mom with like a Cheryl Crow haircut. Mm -hmm. And as far as I'm concerned, she is the supporting role in that she's the mother. But frankly, Holly Hunter, to me, it's just because I know how smart she is as a human being and how like brilliant she is as an actor that I have a hard time believing that she's like this down on her luck, white trash single mom who didn't graduate high school. Well, she's acting, right? I just, she, it, she, there's this confidence about mm. her as a human being that I don't buy her in this movie. Okay. Um, the scenes where I think she really shines is when they have the intervention at the end for um, Evan Rachel Wood. And uh, there's that confrontation with that girl uh, that's like her friend. And the mom, right? And, and the that mom. Girl's mom. Yeah. And uh, by the way, that girl was uh, Rosalie in Twilight, and the whole movie, yeah. 13, is based on Rosalie. Anyway, and it's the and it's same director as Twilight. It's same, oh, that, that's perfect. 13, that's, yeah. That's perfect. Catherine um, yeah. The intervention at the end, uh, it, and Holly Hunter, the way that she handles it, and she's defending her daughter, but she's also concerned for her daughter, and then she discovers that her daughter is cutting herself, and then she, you know, is like kissing the cuts, and. It's moments like that where mm -hmm. I think that's where Holly Hunter is really shining because it's like really intense and like and 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 dark and heavy, but she's handling it perfectly. Where Holly Hunter loses me is just how how do I say this? She just seemed a little too well-spoken and confident and everything like that for me to believe that she was a white trash high school dropout. I just don't buy it. But if we're talking about an acting performance of a supporting character in a movie, then it comes down to a couple scenes where I'm like, okay, I get it. Mm. Okay. And it's Holly Hunter. She's great. Yeah. She's one of the best actresses ever. So I obviously I, it's going to be good. And I would like to point out how jacked she was in the movie too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like she, she was like defined. Linda Hamilton, like Sarah yes, Connor jacked. I was absolutely. like, oh, this girl can hold her own. But you know what? Just, um, again, it shows Evan Rachel Wood at the beginning dressing like a 13-year-old girl, like like a blue shirt and just kind of like jeans and like bracelets and all that. And then it was just kind of like overnight. She's just stealing and getting her belly button pierced. And after she meets this girl, after she meets this Nikki girl. Uh, so Holly Hunter's reaction is just, it wasn't like a transition from, oh, from the age of 11 until the age of 13, she was kind of going, she's transitioning into this phase. It was almost like overnight. Whew. Yeah. So it almost seemed like Holly Hunter had this quilt and this Nikki girl came in and just started pulling all these yeah. lines out of the quilt. So her expressions and reactions to Evan Rachel Wood coming home and saying like, yeah, we were out with boys and like, you don't know me. And Holly Hunter's face like, whoa, like what happened? Like, I'm just more surprised mm -hmm. more than anything. It was like, and then finding the drugs, it was very go ask Alice. There was a lot of drugs. Yeah. In it, was, it was, it wasn't even like a shoebox. It was at 13. It was, it was like, geez. it was fucking crazy. Yeah. There, there, there must've been at least like $10,000 worth of drugs that, but again, it, it comes again, Holly Hunter in this movie, it, it really is for me, just a couple of scenes. Like whenever she can't take it anymore with her daughter, and she has to call her um, Alcoholics Anonymous sponsor, mm -hmm. you know. And she's or not calls the, the dad, the real dad. Yeah, and she and she's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. It, it for me, it's like overall, I would kind of just say for Holly Hunter, like, okay, it's mm -hmm. Holly Hunter, like, girl, I know that you can like fucking knock this out of the park. Uh, and it was a more subtle performance. I just feel like for me, it was kind of just a couple scenes. And um, I think she has that voice too, which is good. Like that's it. Like it sounds like she's been smoking for forty years too. <laughs> she has and that think, sort of. It's yeah, like a, kinda, it's like a yeah, southern yeah, sort of <laughs> accent where it's like, really oh, good. come on, you know I, you know yeah. I never, I'll, I'll never treat you. She has that kind of accent. Come on, Mister Incredible, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's um, I thought I thought she was really good in it. 
and again it was just reacting to the daughter transitioning that fast and just hurt like she can't take anymore she's tr- doing her best to be the best mom mm-hmm. even like the like the new man she has in her life her new partner is not the greatest right he has a bit of an addiction as well yeah, he so was she's a bit juggling, in the movie he's too. Ju- and she's juggling that and then at the end like you said the intervention where the mom and nikki team up on evan rachel wood and say no it's because of you do you 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 can see the frustration in evan rachel wood because evan yeah. rachel wood was actually nominated for the golden globe she didn't get uh the Oscar nomination. I thought she was. She's a great I, I actor, she was just Evan good. Rachel Wood. She's amazing. She was married to Marilyn Manson. That, that's that's well, right. Were they married? Yeah, just, okay. that's right. Or was I know Dita Von Teese they and Evan? They were all married-ish. dating, but I can't remember who was married. Okay, I think Evan Rachel was the one married. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Isn't mm-hmm. that crazy? Yeah, I was. Uh, listen, that's a again a different podcast, but I actually got into art because of Marilyn Manson because oh, I wow. get. But he's a he's an actor. Like yeah. all of that shit, it's all performance. Oh, it's all. But um, a couple things uh, about this. So you were talking about Mean Mean Girls and comparing it to this movie. Basically, how people were, how people when Mean Girls came out, everyone yeah. was like, "This is the honest one about yeah. girls you all have to see." And then it's like this one is like no. Again, like back to the t- filming style of Pieces of April. That dark, yeah. grimy cam, grime, kind like webcam of thing. situation. I think Catherine Hardwick did like Hardwick did a really good job. Even like Holly Hunter's nails were just all dark and dirty under under yeah. the grime. Like you can tell. Well, that she did that whole sort of like I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. Yeah, exactly. And she ha- kind of had that vibe. And I, I knew moms growing up like that too in high school. Oh, like of friends' course. moms, like the single moms that yeah. they. Yes, yes, yeah. I remember. Um, frankly. Uh, I don't really have much else to add uh, unless there's anything else that you want to say. Uh, nope. Uh, again, like I, 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 like I think Holly Hunter is listening to this, but uh, yeah, just come back, make some, make, make some, some amazing movies, movies, some movies, Holly Hunter. Also, um, Holly Hunter, whenever you are doing a scene with more than one people that are shorter than you, if they are younger than you, you are mistaken for one of the teenagers. I had a hard time distinguishing her a lot in this movie. I was like, is that the daughter? Um, <laughs> also, uh, this is just a, a note in general. Can we stop doing underage child threesomes or underage child scenes? That's, that's just... I saw that. Yeah, there's a lot of that in these and movies I think, that I'm watching. Again, turning back to Larry Clark's kids. Have you seen that movie, Kyle? Or I don't know. I have not. No, it's a. Uh, but, but that, that director I I got that. in a lot of trouble for having underage. I think there was a nipple at one scene or something, and the oh daughters were fourteen. This is nineteen ninety five, and uh, the doctor <laughs> got sued and got re- and uh, I think he got fined or gotten in. Like uh, he definitely got in trouble for that. But yes, like these actresses weren't even eighteen when they were filming these like makeout scenes and. You know, very scandalous, like the thong riding all the way up their entire back. Yeah. Like, I thought the actresses were, like, 18 at least when they the filmed it. The brother comes in and he's like, nice. Like, yeah, it's disgusting. Ex- exactly. It's and, disgusting. And then you rewatch, and then you're like, oh, they were actually 15 or 16 while they shot it. And yeah. I, I'm glad that it was it was directed by a woman. Yeah. Right? Because I, I can't pick, like, a, a yeah. grown man directing it kind of, yeah. oh, now uh, bend over a little more. Now this guy's going to say this creepy. But like, my question I, is, okay, yeah. I understand that a movie has to be realistic and show things in the world it's like i believe you yeah. i believe these things happen yeah. you could just be like they just had an underage gang bang i'd be like yeah. cool don't yep. need to see it they exist that's that thing yeah okay hbo's euphoria check it out check it out <laughs> okay let's talk about our winner renee zellweger for cold mountain so, yeah, so as i mentioned before uh this was miramax this is harvey weinstein this is part of his campaign at this time this was only a few years after his greatest victory which was shakespeare in love and um <laughs> Gwyn Powell having a best lead actress, blah. And the thing is, is he made movies almost so that he could win awards. It's 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 not like a trophy in the sense that it's like literally a physical trophy, but a trophy in the sense where it's for his ego. And um, Cold Mountain, I have to say, is one of the most overrated movies I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. Yep. I have seen this movie twice now, yep. and I thought... Because we were talking about earlier, you watch a movie that you haven't seen in a long time, maybe you've grown at a person, so maybe the movie will speak to you in a different way. This is not one of those movies. This movie is literally so self-indulgent. This movie is so annoying to watch. I hated all of the characters. I didn't care for anybody. Nope. Um, I find that... um, 
I think Jude Law is a fucking babe, and I love listening to him try and do an American accent. That was fun. Even Nicole Kidman. Even like you yeah, have two for, you have two foreigners doing like the American Civil War kind of accents, which is fine. Yeah, if you're good actors, which you both were. And basically, you know, it's whenever like this is a whole like the South shall rise again kind yeah. of movie, and basically it's like. During Civil War in America and... Um, a forbidden love story. It was just such an Oscar Beatty type of thing. It's like it's based on a book. That's based on the war. That's based on a love story. Which yeah. ba- and it's like those... But it was like, forbidden they'll... because he ditched his yeah. role in the army. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's a long distance love. And will he ever come back? And then when he dies, at least his seed is inside of her to yeah. continue <laughs> on. And it's like... If it, it's so unfeminist. Like... Oh if my god, the whole movie was out, about him dodging death, and then in I the mean. end he fucking dies. <laughs> and then in the end he dies, like, not even at the war, but from some idiot. Uh, but Ugh. it's so just, oh, like, the wife the is albino. just waiting around, and then gets his baby, and that's what I care about. I don't need him anymore, at least I have a piece of him, then that's great. A piece of Kind of thing. <laughs> and it was this movie, like, when it came out, it was, like, nominated for seven Academy Awards. And again, mm-hmm. like, the movie looks great, mm-hmm. like, uh, the cinematography... It really looks good, but I feel like this movie, like everyone saw it once around when it came out, mm-hmm. and then uh, forgot about it, and then never saw it again. Like yeah. if you go to one of those used DVD stores, there's probably like 18 copies of Cold Mountain just sitting there on the on the thing because, or people sold it in garage sales because they're like, oh, I'm gonna buy it in case people come over, and it's just yeah, you just never want to rewatch it. Now supporting cast. You got, again, Renee Zellweger, our winner. You got Natalie Portman. Philip Seymour Hoffman is in this as well. Like, it's actually <laughs> not a bad... I think... Uh, trying to kill the woman because he impregnated her. <laughs> yeah. You have a great supporting cast. Uh, but, yeah, this movie... Again, it's like what you... Well, basically, Nicole Kidman is obviously... Because all the men are off to war. And Nicole Kidman is living up on Cold Mountain. And she has to... Basically, because her father dies and she's fucked because she doesn't know how to basically run a farm. And then Renee Zellweger as the like sassy yeah, she Dennis the Menace character and, yeah. shows and up. And this was around a time when like in the early 2000s, it was like Nicole Kidman and Renee Zellweger. It was like the Renaissance or Nicole Kidman. Like, sure. Because 2001, it was like, 2001 was like, yeah, Moulin Rouge, Bridget Jones. Mm-hmm. And the following year is like The Hours and Chicago. Cause right. like, and Nicole Kidman had won for The Hours. And then Renee Zellweger shows she can sing, she can dance, she mm-hmm. can do a comedy with a British accent. And then she wins for playing a hick. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. the thing is that um, I it's I think that they gave it to her because they're like, oh, like it's time. And also, again, you have Harvey Weinstein in your mm-hmm. corner who is fighting for you, which will help very much. But, you know, Renee Zellweger coming into this movie, she's like a fun little character. Sent, her accent sent, sounded like someone in a drama class doing a yeah. Southern accent. I, I'm but, very aware that I'm watching so, but Renee. She was actually yeah. really good because like the Southern, like the fidgeting. And the moving fast, yeah. right? It's not like it was just someone doing that accent and yeah. then just, you know, everything else. Like, and then she takes her Oscars. She, like, she did disappear into the role a bit. Like, I, of course, I did see the uh, Renee Zellweger. Yeah. And, and she was great in it. But I think that maybe she got it again with the Harvey Weinstein push. But it's like, oh, this lady, this actress is going to be nominated every single year. Because it was like, boom, 2001, 2002, 2003. Boom, like Renee Zellweger's everywhere. And then didn't get another nomination until like Judy, which was like in 2019 or 2020. That's right. Now, though, I, I think the only credible movie that might be worth a nomination since then is Cinderella Man, when she plays Russell Crowe's wife during the Great Depression. I That's thought right. she was good yeah. at that. But other than that, it was just a lot of surgeries, a lot of comedies, like three Bridget Jones sequ- or two Bridget Jones sequels, which yep. actually weren't that bad. <laughs> the last one yeah. that she made was really bad. But yeah. talking about, you know, this movie movie sort of specifically first of all the melody of this movie like the uh, the score mm. and i'm not saying that this is a coincidence but i'm just saying this is probably why they picked it it's also the same song that they use for a lot of drunk history uh oh, videos HBO so when the movie yeah. started i was like oh my god did i put on drunk history <laughs> and then i was like Great oh show. my god and if you've never seen drunk history look up the woman jen kirkman where they talk about oni judd oh my god i or judge i literally i, I love that shit show. all over the place it's so funny but whenever we're talking about renee selberger in this movie she shows up she decapitates the rooster she's like i had never liked a bird that had been so sassy to me or fucking whatever i'll get the pot ready yeah she's a she's a good character actor um i don't think that renee zellweger gets enough credit for that that she's a very good character actor she's a character actor. i would agree that it was a little high school drama play whenever she was with the accent but at the same time there are actually a lot of people that do talk and there are with the movement and, and those people are real yeah no <laughs> you exactly. know what i mean like i've never met well 
But um, but again, like like the fidgeting and the other stuff that she's doing, her actions and reactions to Nicole Kidman talking a lot was good. But again, her disappearing into roles, even like in Jerry Maguire, you just believed mm-hmm. her as this secretary of the sports agent that mm-hmm. left and has a single mom with a kid. She's mm-hmm. even like great in that, right? Rob, you had me at hello. <laughs> Promise? Promise. And then, yeah, so, and this is the director of English Patient. He had won Best Director that year. Right. Right. This was also nominated for all those key, um, like, Coleman was also nominated for the Best Picture, for the Best Director, for the Best Actor, Jude Law, for the Best Actress, Nicole. Like, it just kind of took, oh, this is actually a fun fact. I totally forgot to mention at the beginning when you talked about Ian McKellen. Did you know that back in 2001, when Ian McKellen had come out, Burger King did not... Um, sell the Gandalf toys in like with their whatever Happy Meal along with all the other characters because Ian McKellen was gay. What Burger Queen fucking Burger franchise is fuck? Oh, did uh, not sell the Gandalf wow. toy because Ian McKellen. I think he had come out around that time, early two thousands. Wow. And uh, Burger King just wouldn't do it. Fuck that. I'm going to start a chain of Burger Queens and we're only going to sell fucking Do Gandalf it. toys. And it's always going to be a Gandalf only toy. Only Gandalf toys. Every single time. <laughs> only Gandalf um, toys. I think that Renee Zellweger had some nice moments in this. Like when her dad shows up, she hates him, but she loves him. Again, it just kind of felt more like a sitcom character to me. She really felt like a Dennis the Menace. I really don't understand how she won an Academy Award for this movie. I'm going to be honest with you. She has much, much other better performances. She's an amazing actor. Um, I feel like a big part of the reason why is because she was due for an Oscar, and I feel like a lot of people probably saw her in this and thought, oh, wow, Renee Zellweger, she's a big star, and she's kind of in, like, a small role. I feel like it's easier for her to shine, um, and uh, it's definitely a different role for Renee because she never really played something like this, so she's demonstrating her range. I feel like this is a bit of a career Oscar. I don't yes. think it was for a specific performance. Um, I also would just like to point out that the uh, 2000s had a weird trend with villains that were albino. Uh, there was the Da Vinci Code. Oh. There was this. And these are just like two that are off the top of my head. I don't know what the hell that was all about, but that was a thing. Something to notice in this movie. After 2.5 hours, Jude Law um, basically was dodging death, like just left and right throughout the entire movie. He finally dies after everything. And it was all because Jack White, yes, the singer from Seven Nation Army, Jack White completely sold them out. I don't know what he was doing in this movie, but he looks like a Tim Burton character. Get off my movie screen. All, overall, I, I hate this movie. I, I find it so confusing that she has an Oscar for this movie. I'm so conf- I find it confusing that anybody has an Oscar for anything that has anything to do with this project. I am shocked by the budget of this movie. Yes. And um, frankly, uh, don't ever watch Cold Mountain. I That's so harsh, but I'm telling that to no. everybody watching or listening to this podcast. Do not watch this movie. I hate this movie. No. I... Uh... I agree. I <laughs> I think I watched it in 2003. I think it was probably yeah, it, it was before the Oscars and it was like, oh, oh, it was like still VHS was still a thing. Yeah. Right? So we had rented it. But again, I was like, oh, like it looks good. It's just that movie that always comes out every year around November, December where it's just like the, yeah. based on a war, based yeah. on a book, there's love. And it's like, ugh, like just so baity. And then I guess they just threw her again. It's just an honorary award for me. Okay, so I think that it is time for us to reveal who we think should have won. So, Rob, if you will go ahead and do the honors first. Okay, so I think the Best Supporting Actress Award in 2004 should have gone to... Holly Hunter. Wow. Okay, why? So... Again, I think I looked at this role a little bit differently than you. Like, I didn't look at it like, oh, I know that this actress is smart and she's played smart people in other roles, so therefore I'm going to take her character from other movies and put it on this. I I felt like she was great as that mom. Mm -hmm. I thought, like, because Evan Rachel Wood was so good as well, just playing off of the actions, just this overnight sort of like crazy teen, and her just, wow, my daughter might turn into what I am. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm going to let her get away with a little bit, but I'm going to put my foot down at some point. You know, I can see that. I, I can I can see what you're saying there. And I would probably agree with you for the most part. But the thing is, is where I'm getting the disconnect is that I just didn't buy that Holly Hunter was um, ever Evan Rachel Wood. There, there was just a, a part of me that I just didn't see that for her because she seemed very like... 
well, you can't go anywhere unless you call her mom and you need to get permission from so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. And she just seemed like a hands-on mom and a very good mom. And so I just was like, not to say that like if you're a single mom. And she was trying. Yeah, I just she seemed like a, like a fantastic mom mm. that it just kind of confused me a little bit that like her mm-hmm. daughter was like, you know, Courtney Love. Um, it was easily influenced just by the friend there. Okay, well, uh, fantastic. Well, mm-hmm. I love that. So thank you. I'm going to go ahead and reveal who I think should have won. So I think that the Oscar should have gone to... Sheree Agdashlu. Hey. And that, for me, is a, it is a Fritz Bernays. It's no question. Because, listen, everybody that was um, acting in this category is um, an amazing, talented actor. For my second place, it would have been Marcia Gay Harden, obviously. But the thing is, is look... When I was watching Patricia Clarkson, there were moments where I literally was like, I'm very aware that I'm watching Patricia Clarkson. With Marsha Gay Harden, I didn't have that at all. With Renee, there were many times, like you were saying, it's like the high school accent there at yeah, the drama, drama club, where I was very aware that I was watching her. An um, Holly Hunter, I was. there were moments where I was very aware that I was watching Holly Hunter. Sheree was like a living, breathing person. I believed every second of it. It was so um, relatable to me. She very was my realistic. second choice. And I just thought that um, it was such a relevant performance. It was such an important performance. And I think it's really fucking sad that like she doesn't do more movies and that she's not nominated for more Oscars. I uh, and even in just in even in English or second language, she. Still crushed it. She yeah. still did amazing. I yeah. just wish that there was just a few more serious dialogues where she switched over to the Farsi, not like just two lines there at the end talking yeah. about a dream, right? Because I've seen a movie called The Separation, which is which is by a Persian director, and that movie just like I could never watch a movie like that dubbed, where like some guys in a studio speaking English. Like mm-hmm. you have to watch it in that language and get the intensity. Mm-hmm. But I love Sheree's performance as well, Kyle. Absolutely. Great. Okay. Well, that concludes another episode of Best Actress, Rob. Brown, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Is there anything coming up that uh, you would like to plug or anything that anybody uh, should no, know about? No, thank you for having me. I'm doing virtual virtual personal training online still. If they're interested in hiring you as a personal trainer, where would they find you? So you can find me at robbrown25, and that is on Instagram. And my last name, Brown, has an E at the end. So it's just basically R-O-B-B-R-O-W-N-E-2-5 at G. Oh, sorry. Two five, and that is uh, that is my Instagram. Also, uh, streamer is playing on Amazon Prime. Uh, go have a look at that. It has been compared to Joker and Taxi Driver uh, by some critics. So, if you want if you want to have a look at that, then you may. Okay, well, we'll see you at the Oscars someday, maybe. <laughs> All you, right. Pal. Well, thank you for thank you for being guest. We'll see you next time. Bye. You too.